0: Are you glad to serve Jesus? Yes. Question for y'all. Whose church is this? Oh, I'm so glad you answered that. (laughs) That way. The Lord's. Since it's the Lord's, when you serve in this house, who are you serving? The Lord. Lord. His work, His things, His people. You know, it's just like giving an offering. When you give an offering, a a gift, a financial gift to, to the Lord. You know, you don't write it out street, you know, Golden Street Heaven's address and mail it, go get a hold of, you know, Elon Musk's rockets and try to get it to heaven. That's not how he receives gifts from the earth. He receives it when Jen goes and writes out a gift and gives it to the Lord and gives it crosswise to somebody else and gives it to the Lord that way. That's how he receives an offering. Well, in the same way, that's how He receives your gift of serving Him. Is when we're serving back and forth and loving on His people and making sure that His people are taken care of. And, you know, there's a Scripture that says that whatever you do for the Lord in that way will come back to you. There's a proverb that says the one that gives water will be watered. In fact, Jesus said it this way, when he went out to, he was standing at the well of Samaria. You remember the story where he's talking to the lady, and then she runs back in, and this whole conversation takes place. In the meantime, the disciples had gone into town to get some Chick-fil-A, right? And when they come, it wasn't a Sunday, so they were open that day. And when they come back out with all the sandwiches, and they ask Jesus if he wants something, he's like, no, he doesn't want anything. Well, what, someone gave you something to eat already? He said, well, to do the will of the Father is my food. In other words, when I give water, I am watered. And so in the same way, as we serve each other, and as we minister to each other, and as as one person is on the safety team, and one person's an usher, and one person's cleaning, and one person's putting out the food, and on and on, one person's on the worship team, and so forth, and they're serving the Lord by serving each other, expect to be watered back from the Lord, by His people, by the Lord. All right. Hallelujah. It's good to be with you here tonight. Message number one, are you ready for number two? <clears throat> I want to talk to you tonight about a subject that is extremely powerful and necessary for you to live a successful life as a believer. It's one that you could not do it without this one key thing. and this, But this one key thing is often misunderstood and misapplied. People will even um, they'll say, well, you know, Yay, I'm so glad for it. And often they don't even understand what it is though. What could I be talking about? If you've spent a life growing up in church, if you're new to church, you may not have heard this. But if you've grown up in the church, been around the church, been in Sunday school, you've heard the phrase, the grace of God be with you, probably more times than you can count. I mean, if you read your Bible, it's all over in the New Testament, the word grace. 156 times in the New Covenant writings that we have, the word grace appears. Now, it doesn't always appear as the word spelled G-R-A-C-E. Sometimes it appears as the word favor. Sometimes it appears as the word graciousness or thanks. But it's the same word, the word grace. And so, because we hear it, and are around it so often and and we are used to this Christianese language of, you know, but for the grace of God and will the grace of God be with you and grace be on you. And we hear it and hear it and hear it until it becomes so familiar to us that it loses its significance to us to what it does and the role that it plays in our life and the importance of why we need it and and how to... What is it? How do I appropriate it? You know... We sing about it, don't we? Just because you sing about something, <laughs> does that mean you understand it? Just today I found out that a song that I'm singing, my, well, I haven't really sung it my whole life, a song I've known my whole life, and whenever I'm in the store and the song comes on and I hear that line, you know, yeah, I can sing along with it because somehow the words are still there. And I just found out today that I've been saying the words wrong, not even close to what it says. I've been singing it, didn't even know what I was singing. Is that possible with grace? Did you know that the letters to the churches, so from Romans to Revelations, you know, there was the four Gospels written, and then Acts of the early church, and then from Romans to Revelations, those were all letters, we call them books. In those letters, at the beginning and end, of either, either the beginning or the end, or both. There's 22 of those letters. Out of those 22, 18 of them begin and or end with grace be with you, grace be on you, grace to you. Only four of them do not begin or end with that. Out of all those letters. And those four have it in there, just not in the beginning and the end of it. So here's my, my point in saying that. It, because that real estate is pretty limited. What's in the Bible is pretty limited as far as, you know, we don't have 48 volumes the size of the Bible of, of the New Testament letters. So the real estate of what's been, what's been chosen by the Lord to be in what we call the Bible is pretty valuable real estate. And he didn't just put things in here just because, well, we need something to fill up the pages. I mean, John said that the world couldn't contain the books if everything was written about Jesus. Yeah. So if it was chosen to be put in here, it's pretty important. And it's not just poetry. It's not just a nice thing to say to each other, you know, well, grace of God be on you. So what, what does it even mean? What is grace? We're going to answer that question. We're going to answer what is grace? What does grace do? And can I have more grace? And how to get it? Okay, grace is a really, really big subject. We could spend weeks and do a series on this. I don't know that that's what we're going to do. We're just going to start with tonight, and then we'll go from there. So what is grace? I'm going to do my best to keep this simple. Simple enough that a child would be able to understand and explain it when we're done. Okay? So it's not going to be a theologian's level, but it's going to be, the power's going to go the whole way, right? All the way. We're not backing off on what it does. We're just going to keep it simple. So, what is grace? You know, is it is it something that we say before we eat our food? Now, let's say grace. Where did that even come from? You know, but some people, if you said grace, that's what they would think of. Is they're going to say grace before the meal because that's that's what they know, or or maybe grace is um, something that we give to someone that really messes up a lot. Now, they're always messing up and getting into trouble, having all these problems. And, you know, I just give them a lot of grace. And, and, uh, yeah, you know, you're having problems with so-and-so. Just give them grace, you know. They'll figure it out. Just give them grace. And it's used as, you know, overlook it, put up with them, be long-suffering with them. Okay? Be long-suffering with them. Is that what grace means? Or maybe grace is actually a way of moving a way of walking, a way of dancing. <laughs> Jacob, he's looking at me like I'm going to bust a move here. Maybe, maybe grace is how someone dances. Is that, is that what grace is? Or, or maybe it's a name. You know, my daughter is named Ariel Grace. Maybe it's a name. What, what is grace? Well, some say, well, it's a gift. Yeah, that's true. That's great. Hallelujah. It's a gift. But that's still pretty obscure you know okay what what kind of gift what does it do you know if i give if i give karen a shiny new toaster All right, This thing's got all the bells and whistles. It has three or four knobs on it that do different things. And you know, all kinds of buttons. You can program this thing. It has a memory. It knows what the last 42 toasts happened to them. You know, this thing is off the charts. An amazing toaster. You can put bread in this thing and set a timer and come back four days later, right when breakfast is ready and it'll have the toast ready. This thing is awesome. But she doesn't know what the gift is. She hasn't seen it yet. She hasn't received it yet. Because I put it in her house, but she is, maybe she's on a trip, okay? And Kelly and Laura, they, they see it sitting in Karen's kitchen. Oh, man, this is an awesome gift. This grace that Pastor gave Karen's awesome. I mean, this is a good gift. Now, none of you know what I've given to her, right? The grace that I gave to her. The gift I gave to her. But you hear Kelly and Lauren talking, uh, Laura talking about this amazing gift that Pastor gave Karen. I mean, it'll do amazing things. And you know what? Karen doesn't even deserve it. Pastor <laughs> gave her a gift. She didn't even do anything to earn it. And he gave her this undeserving gift. Isn't that awesome? And everyone's like, yeah, that's great. What is it? Because the dictionary tells us that grace is unmerited favor. Okay. But it doesn't tell us what the gift does, how it works in our life, none of that stuff. It just describes the gift. It's kind of like saying it's a good gift. Well, okay, that's great. That's a start. That eliminates one whole half of the other side. you know. But it doesn't tell us what it is, what it does. So tonight, what is grace? One of the reasons people misunderstand it is because the, our English language today confuses grace with other things. You know, we, we use grace and mercy interchangeably and different things like that. So because of that is where some of the misunderstanding comes in and people are like, well, I don't, I don't really don't know um, how to describe, describe grace. So I'm going to give you an illustration, and in fact, tonight, we'll kind of go in circles a little bit, as we talk about what is grace, what does it do, how do you get more of it, but in particular, what it is and what what it does, we'll we'll describe it, and we'll look at scriptures, and we'll keep talking about it, kind of round and round, I'll just keep telling you the same thing, but from a different angle for a bit, okay? so. So tonight, I brought a flashlight along, all right? It's a bright flashlight. We don't want to shine on the ceiling. We'll see things we don't want to see up there. (laughs) But it's a bright flashlight, all right? You can see the flashlight. This flashlight represents the grace of God, okay? And so, with the grace of God, I can see where I'm going. With the grace of God, you know, I'm not going to trip and fall. With the grace of God in my life, I can see what I need to see, do what I need to do. Well, just because, you know, if if I'm out in the dark, and I'm stumbling around, and falling over things, and I can't, let's say I'm in here, and the lights are out, and it's pitch black, and I'm banging into chairs, and I can't find my way to the door, because what do I need? I need more of God's grace to help me. Now, okay, the Lord shows up, and He says, here, son. Here, son. Here's some grace for you. And He gives me His grace. So I take His grace and I go, Hallelujah, isn't God good? He's given me His grace. But yet I keep stumbling and banging into chairs and falling over things. And Man, isn't this great? great? God's grace is so good. Fall down again. Get up. What's going on? Well, I'm not using His grace. He gave it to me, but I'm not utilizing it. You know, Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1, it says not to receive the grace of God in vain. So if I receive the flashlight and keep walking around in the dark because I'm not using it, that's like receiving the grace of God, but you're not utilizing it and putting it to work in your life. And so it benefits you nothing. All right, so now I take the grace and I begin to use it. And I can see where I'm going. Am I now going to trip and fall over things? not unless I'm stupid and shut my eyes, right? But if I'm using it, like a wise person, I'm going to be able to see, I'm going to be able to walk, I'm going to be able to go the whole way. But the trouble is, is some people come along and they begin to teach twisted things about the grace of God. And they misapply it. And they begin to... That's bright, if you don't believe me. Here, you know. So they begin to... I wanted you to experience what I'm experiencing a little bit. So, I can't see, because for those of you listening by the internet, I'm shining the flashlight into my eyes. I can't see a blooming thing. All right, Even though it's bright in here, I can't see anything. I would fall over things. I would just trip and have all kinds of problems. Well, why? Because I have misapplied the grace of God. And it's no longer working for me. It's working against me. And this is something that has happened with the grace-only teaching. You know, but we know that it's more than just grace. Man, i got spots in my eyes now. (laughs) Half of the crowd is gone. Where did they go? (laughs) But you know, when you apply the grace of God correctly, you're able to do what you could not do before that grace came into your life. And do it with ease. What was hard is suddenly easy. You know, you ever been in a situation where you're trying to find something or you're trying to work on something or maybe if you've worked on any kind of mechanic work or somewhere underneath a dark cabinet or something like that, right? And you're just struggling, struggling, struggling and then finally you add light to the situation. Suddenly it's easy, right? The grace of God will make what was really difficult suddenly be easy. It doesn't mean the situation got any easier. But His grace makes it easy. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He didn't say, you will not never face a trial, you'll never go through a fiery furnace, and you'll never um, go through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't say that. Yeah. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That means if you stick your yoke in, into the yoke that Jesus is hooked to, it's going to be easy and light. and Because He's doing the heavy lifting. He's doing the pulling. That's grace. You're just along for the ride. You know, back to the light, if, uh, if, if I'm taking the light, and if I'm the Lord, and I am shining the grace of God for someone to walk in, but they don't walk in the light and the grace that I have for them, and they go out stumbling in the dark. Again, that's receiving it in vain, but does the grace still exist for them? Yeah. Yes. Even though they're not using it, it's still there and has already been given. They've just gone away from it. <clears throat> the word grace and the word favor, are, are, it's the same word in the New Testament. All right, It's also the word thanks. But if you look in the Greek and in the Hebrew, both uh, throughout all of Scripture, he, um, Old Testament and New Testament, the word grace, the word favor is interchangeable. So whenever you read and they had favor on them, it's, it's the word grace. And so what is the grace of God? The grace of God is His favor it's His anointing, it is His ability, God's ability, it's God's support, it's God's wisdom, it's God helping you, it's God's empowerment to you, it is God's presence, and it is Him doing all these things for you, something that you could not do for yourself or on your own. Did you know the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, the whole charisma gifts? Those are all called the graces of the Spirit. We call them the gifts of the Spirit. The word is graces. Did you know the fivefold ministry graces? That's what they're called as well. Even did you know that serving, like what we were talking about earlier, serving in the church and children's ministry, wherever, that's a grace that's talked about in 1 Corinthians 12, as well as Romans 12. A gifting, a grace that was given. I'll say it this way. Grace is the the New Testament word, the chosen New Testament word that describes the entire fullness of the new covenant, all that dwells in Christ and is available for mankind. That's what grace encapsulates and, and encompasses. All of that available for you. And given for you. Now I made the comment about our English language sometimes what messes up our understanding on this because we'll use grace and mercy uh, interchangeably. But the fact is is that grace never puts God into a position to overlook our sin. Or to put up with our sin. Or to... None of that. Right? Grace... When we say, well, we need to give someone that's making mistakes more grace, what we're really saying is we're just going to be long-suffering with them and put up with it and give them the room they need to figure it out. Okay? But that's not grace. That's, that's something, Maybe it's mercy. It could be mercy. It could be long-suffering. It could be other things. But the thing is, is grace is never a cover-up. Grace never is a... Assistant to you putting up with a problem and it not being solved. Nowhere ever, I said ever, in Scripture, is it implied that grace makes a situation acceptable. Current status quo, acceptable. Grace never shows up in anywhere in Scripture and things remain the same there's always change. Grace makes change possible. Grace brings change. Grace puts you into a position to walk that change out. So grace is not mercy. You can you can turn in your Bible if you'd like to Luke chapter 2 and we're going to look at two verses there. I want to show you something. If if grace is God's mercy, we're going to read some scriptures that'll show us that it cannot be because it just wouldn't couldn't be. But If the grace of God is mercy, or God is being long-suffering, or if grace is God overlooking something, or if grace is just God being understanding of us, or if grace is God putting up with something... Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 40. Speaking of baby Jesus. They'd just taken him to the temple. they come back out of the temple. And uh, they'd spoken with Simeon and, and the, uh, the prophets there. And so they come back out and it says in verse 40, The child grew and became strong in spirit. Filled with wisdom and God's grace was on him. Then, he, when he's 12 years old, he goes to the temple and is parents forget him for three days and all of that stuff happens so they go back and get him he's like don't you know i need to be at dad's house right and they're like well okay but you need to come with us and so look down in verse uh 52 it says and and jesus well in verse maybe 51 it says jesus um submitted to them and obeyed them and in verse 52 it says jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with god and with people that word is grace the word favor so here we see that Jesus grew, He became strong, he, was, he grew stronger, He grew in wisdom, He grew in stature, He grew in God's grace that was on Him. All of these things actually prove Jesus' humanity. Because God doesn't grow in these things. He already has all wisdom. How do you grow in wisdom when you have all wisdom? Right? And God isn't giving grace to Himself. You know, so God can't grow in grace. He already has all grace. So this just goes to show that Jesus came to the earth as a man. That He laid aside. He emptied Himself of the rights and privileges of being God while He walked the earth as a man. But what does this also show us? It shows us that if God gave grace to Jesus, grace cannot be mercy. Jesus didn't need mercy. If God gave an increased grace to Jesus, if Jesus grew in grace, then grace can't be God overlooking something or putting up with something. So, what is grace? Well, grace is the ability to not sin. Grace is the ability to walk supernaturally like Jesus walked. Look at Jesus' ministry. All the supernatural things that took place in His life because He was connected to the Source. And that grace was flowing in and through Him. And therefore, now the supernatural was happening. Did Jesus ever sin? No. How is this possible? Because He walked in God's ability to not sin. Said a different way, He walked in the grace of God. But if grace was used where God just overlooks things and permits us to make it through with the sin, or in spite of the sin, well then, Jesus could not have walked in grace. Because He never sinned. So didn't apply to him, but we know that's not the case. See, grace and mercy will often shake hands, but they're not the same thing. In fact, where you find mercy with the Lord, you're generally going to find grace right there shaking hands with it. And compassion, right? Mercy, compassion, grace is kind of how the chain usually flows. And so when you see, well, mercy and grace being closely related, mercy is not giving. What a person deserves justly, right? You don't reserve the just judgment you deserve. That's mercy. But grace is then going further and giving you now what you didn't deserve. The good name. The authority. The power. The ability to live a righteous and holy life. I'm going to say this again. Grace is God enabling you and empowering you to do something that you could not do for yourself or on your own. A good example of this would be Peter walking on the water. Can any human being walk on water in their own strength and might? No. No. In fact, it took supernatural ability given by the Lord for him to do it. That is what grace is. Now, when he began to bubble and cry out for help and had, was sinking down, now Jesus' mercy came on display. He grabs him. Right? He didn't let him bubble out. And I don't think he drug him under the water back to the boat. Grace came back into play. I believe he got pulled back up and walked together to the boat. But mercy is what saved him, or reached out, grabbed him from drowning. But grace is what goes now beyond what you deserve. Grace is not an elimination of the trial. Just remember that. It's not an elimination of the fiery furnace. Remember the three Hebrew men? They went into the furnace. The grace of God enabled them to withstand high heat, temperatures that killed anyone else that got close. And they came out and their hair wasn't singed. I mean, that's amazing for someone with a lot of hair. They came out in their clothes, didn't smell like smoke. I mean, that's amazing, right? Or how about... Daniel and the lion's den. Right? The grace of God came to His rescue in the form of angels with big muzzles. They muzzled them lions right up. No, nothing they could do. And there had to be more than just keeping their mouths shut because they didn't pounce on him and rip him with his claws either. Right? They sat there and behaved themselves until their next meal showed up after Daniel. Grace, what does grace do? Grace brings you the victory enables you to walk victoriously. 1 Corinthians 15 and 2 Corinthians 2 both say similar things. It says this, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The word thanks is grace. Grace be to God who gives us the victory. It's by His grace that we have the victory is what they're saying. It's by His grace. And if you look in 2 Corinthians 2.14, similar verse, says, Thanks be to God, grace be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. By the grace of God, we are always caused to triumph if we'll use it and not receive the grace in vain. If we'll utilize it. If we'll put it to work. If we'll take it and receive it by faith. Let's go over to... Uh, You can turn to Isaiah 50. And while you're going there, I'll just talk a little bit more about this. In the grace of God that causes you to overcome and to be victorious, can also... I mean, have any of you ever won a spiritual battle that you felt you could not win on your own, but God? Is there anyone here like that? Okay. So, when that victory came for you, and you realize this isn't something I could have done for me, it's something He did for me, how would you like to grow more in that? God helping me. Right? Receiving more of, of God. Um, if I can have a little bit of grace for a little victory, maybe I could have a lot of grace for a lot of victory. Amen. Did you find Isaiah 50? Let's look in verse 4. Actually, before I read that, I'm going to read this verse to you. Out right, of Second Peter 3. It says, grow in grace, Peter said, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So if Peter said grow in grace, then obviously we must be able to, else he wouldn't have said that. You know, he never told them to do the impossible. But grow in grace implies that we're able to. That it's a thing. That you don't have to be just satisfied with the grace level that you're currently at. If Jesus could grow in grace, and if He was our example, then you and I can grow in grace as well. In Isaiah 50, it talks about what that grace did for Jesus. You know, earlier I read how Jesus grew in grace. But in Isaiah 50, verse 4, it says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are instructed to know how to sustain the weary with a word. Did you know in Ephesians it talks about our words are supposed to minister grace? Or abilities to people. Okay? So, He's given me the tongue of those who are instructed to know how to sustain the weary with the Word. He awakens me each morning. He awakens my ear to listen like those being instructed. The Lord God has opened my ear. And I was not rebellious. I did not turn back. I gave my back to those who beat me. My cheeks to those who tore out my beard. I did not hide my face from scorn and spitting. So the grace of God came and opened his ear. It opened his ear. The grace of God is how he would constantly say, you know, I only do what I hear my Father say. I only do what I see him do. That was the grace of God's ability coming and showing him. But he had to have his ear open to be able to do it. So if Jesus, the Son of perfect, spotless, sinless Son of God, needed his ear opened by the Father, then surely you and I need our ear open too. And so we should ask the Lord that. Lord, open my ear so that Your grace may flow freely into me and that I might hear it, that I might recognize it and see it. Go over to John chapter 1. The Gospel of John. And let's look in verse 14. Now in the beginning here in John, verse 1, speaks of Jesus being the Word. And then in verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh, that be Jesus, and dwelt among us, or the Word is tabernacled among us. We observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now John, John the Baptist, that is, testified concerning Him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because He existed before me. And then see verse 16. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from His fullness. From His fullness. He has grace to spare. Don't worry, you're not running Him out. Okay? Your problem is not so big that it's going to cause the lights of heaven to dim. While they deal with it. Right? It's nothing. Alright, from His fullness. Verse 17, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified. Um, Verse 16, For out of His fullness, abundance, we have all received, all had a share, and we were all supplied with. One grace after another and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, and even favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. For while the law was given through Moses, grace, unearned and undeserved favor, and spiritual blessing and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now go over to Acts chapter 4. And let's look all the way down into... The church, early church has just started out. They've faced a little bit of opposition. They've prayed. They've would asked the Lord for boldness. And He shook the place. And they all spoke boldly, it says, and were filled with the Holy Spirit. And now look in verse 33. It says, "...with great power." The apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And hey, listen, right here is a secret, and this is not what the message has been about, but it does involve grace, and for some of you it will answer some things. If you want to walk in great power, give testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. Because yeah. a lot of times we want the supernatural, we want the miraculous, we just don't want to have to tell anyone about it until it happened. And allow that to be the dinner bell. But really, it's backwards because when you read Mark 16, it says that they went out and preached everywhere. The Word came first, and then signs and wonders followed them. And what did they preach? Well, they preached Jesus and Him crucified and Him resurrected. And that message will bring miracles. Because the Lord will confirm His Word. But here in Acts, so they're giving with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was on all of them. Not just a little bit, but great grace. I mean, a little bit of God's grace in our life will do amazing things. We're testimony to that. Some of us have experienced different levels of grace and Him helping us at different times in our life. Some of us may have experienced that more than others. But if great grace, it doesn't say great grace was on the apostles. Or great grace was on the the elders of the church. It says great grace was on them all. And there was at this point thousands of people in the church. I mean on one day 3,000 had come in on the very first day. Right? This is now some time later. And it said how they were growing and growing and just prior to this they were so moved by the love and compassion of God that they enabled each other with a financial grace and started having their finances kept in common to bless each other. And then out of that is where all of this happens and it says great grace was on them all. Let's read it a different way. Great empowerment from the Lord was on them all. Great ability from the Lord was on them all. The great presence of the Lord was with them all. Do you see how so often we, we've allowed grace maybe to lose its significance to us when we read over it? God doing something for me that I couldn't do for myself. Now, don't hear that statement alone. Because some people would, most of us, Probably are the same way, because I'll include me. It would be great if the Lord would just do it, and I don't have to do nothing, and I can sit over here and say, good job, Lord, good job, right? But that's not how it works. If you want to walk in grace, that means we're going to have to take steps. We're going to have to step out. We're going to have to do things. You know, when Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, he never said, I'll never ask you to do something that's impossible, It's easy and light because He makes the impossible possible. Right? That's His grace flowing through it. But we have to take the step. Like Peter, we have to get out of the boat. I mean, the rest of the disciples never even tried. But He got out and walked on the water. Great grace. Look at your neighbor and say, great grace. I want it. What if God's grace on you increased just a little bit? What if it doubled? Or what if it increased by like a thousand percent? Like a ridiculous amount. Or it was like great grace. I mean, think of what you've accomplished already by God helping you. Things that you know were not possible on your own. Imagine if that just went up to like a great portion. If the Holy Spirit on the inside of you would take up more real estate than He does right now. The presence of God would become more real, more tangible, more felt on the inside of you, more aware of His presence. Suddenly, the things that were hard would seem to be easy, wouldn't they? The things that were impossible, you would look at differently. Has anyone ever asked you that question, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? Right? Well, what would we do if God's grace on us was great Instead of the current level that you have. What would we accomplish? What would we believe for? Go over to Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> I want you to look at a few verses here. And then we're going to switch and tell you how to receive more of this gift of grace. In Romans 5 and verse 2. Um, no, let's go back to verse 1. Because so that's good too. Maybe we should go back to chapter 4. Or three, or two, or one. All right, in verse one. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Ephesians says that we are saved by grace. God doing something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves, right? It wasn't by works. It says that in Ephesians. So it's God's ability to something that, you know, grace, by grace you're saved, doesn't mean you get to stay the way you were. It means you're going to be different. Grace enables change. So he says in verse 2, We have also obtained access through Him, through Jesus, by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Grace is a place to abide, not a place to visit. Now the valley of the shadow of death is a place to visit, not abide. You're going through it. You're not camping, right? We said that last week. But grace is different. Grace is a place that you're going to pitch your tent and drive your stakes into the ground and say, here I am, Lord. It's a place to stand. A place to stand. And you do that by faith. What has the Lord said that He would do for me? Then I believe that. How did I describe grace earlier? It's the the chosen Word in the New Testament that encompasses all the things of the New Covenant and all that Jesus is for mankind. Grace includes those things. So, in order for us to stand in it, then we're going to have to, have, we're to, have to do a part to be in it. Go down to verse 17. <clears throat> it says here, Since by one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, that would have been Adam, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace? See, there's extra. There's an overflow of it. Overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness. What's going to happen with this kind of person? They're going to reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Grace coupled with a right standing with God. Grace coupled with right standing with God. Empowers you to reign in life. Empowers you to rule and reign. Not go under and be dragged through. Right? Grace with an awareness of your right standing. See, when you're aware of your right standing with God, now it's a whole lot easier to believe that He would help me with this. Right? Because with enough grace, you'll be free from bondage. You'll be free from addiction. You'll be free of all of those things because you can make it through them and live above and beyond them. With enough grace in your life, if you'll grow in grace with enough of it, you could do anything. I mean, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who graces me. Strengthens me. All right. Let me tell you how that you could receive more of God's help. Because grace is God helping you do what His will is. Not helping you to run away. Helping you do what His will is. How could we receive more of God's help? Go over to James chapter 4. and verse 6. James 4.6 6 says, But He, speaking of God the Father, gives more grace or greater grace Grace. We said we wanted greater grace a little bit ago. Well, he's the one who gives it, and if he gives it, that means it's possible to receive more of it. So he gives more grace. Therefore, or here's why it's uh, he says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He resists. He fights against. He opposes the proud. But he is helping those who are humble. He is coming to their aid. He's empowering them. He is fighting on their behalf. He is giving them abilities that they couldn't have before. I mean, think of Moses. Moses is the meekest man in all the earth, right? And the grace of God comes on him to do some things. Tells him, throw down your staff. Turns into a snake. Moses begins to run away. Seems reasonable to me, right? And God says, no, pick it up. He picks it up back into His staff. grace of God is doing all of these things in Him. Remember, the gifts of the Spirit, one of them is the working of miracles. The graces of the Spirit. The grace of God is on Him to do these miracles. And so when He shows up in Pharaoh's court, and throws down the staff. Actually, it was Aaron's staff, I guess. They threw down Aaron, threw down his staff, and it turned into a snake. And Pharaoh's magi- magicians all do the same thing, right? They throw down their staff because what is the world hungry for today? Power. They want power. That's why so many people dabble in witchcraft and Harry Potter and all these other things. Is because they, they would like to experience power. And so his magicians throw it down and they turn into snakes, but... Aaron's snake, his staff, ate all the other staffs. They threw down their staff and it became a snake. The grace of God will make that possible. Now, I don't know about you, but that's one grace I don't care if I don't have in my life. You know, that my staff would turn into a snake. Because I don't know how you go to bed that night and lay your staff beside your bed. I don't know. I think I'm going to put the staff in a cage just in case. I'm just having fun. Yeah, he'll eat all the bad snakes that come around. Yeah, good point. Bad snake comes around, my staff will wake up and get you. All right, so God resisted the proud Pharaoh, but he helped the humble Moses. But he'll do the same thing for you and I. So here's how to get more of God's help. Number one, step number one is humble. Humble yourself before the Lord. Humble yourself before the Lord. Acknowledge that this is bigger than you. Acknowledge that in and of yourself, you make a fine mess of everything. And that without His help, yeah, it's pointless. Acknowledge your need of Him. Acknowledge your need of a Savior, of a a champion. Acknowledge your need of a Father to direct you and to guide you, to tell you how and where to go and what not to do. That's humbling yourself, right? Step number two is ask Him. Ask for help. I mean, the Word tells us He knows what we need before we ask Him, but He wants us to ask. Jesus said it this way, Seek and ye will find. Ask and you will receive. So we have promise from the mouth of Jesus Himself that if you need grace, ask and God will give it. How about in James? Where it says if you need wisdom... Well, wisdom is one of the forms God's grace comes to us. If you need it, ask Him and He'll give liberally and He won't find fault with you. So ask for help and you will get it. Hebrews 4.16 Let's go there and then we're going to close with a prayer. We do not want to receive God's grace in vain. We want to receive it, use it, walk in it. Because what did Jesus say? He said, To the one who has a little even more will be given. You want to increase and grow in grace? Humble yourself. Ask Him for it. And do what He's telling you to do. Because part of humbling yourself is obedience to what He's been telling you to do. See, if He's been telling you to do something and you're refusing to walk in it, that's not being submitted to Him. That's not humbling yourself. And you're not going to get the grace. So do what He's telling you to do. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Therefore let us approach the throne of grace. How do you like that? It's called the throne of God helping me. Of God's ability. The throne of salvation. The throne of God enabling me to do His will. The throne, right, of grace. So, approach. It says, let us approach it. It doesn't say shout from a distance or from outside of heaven's walls. Right? All these people that try to bombard the gates of heaven they act like a bunch of enemies. But the children go right into the throne room. Right? They don't have to storm heaven. They walk right in. They belong. Right up to the throne of your help. Of grace. And with boldness. <laughs> with boldness. Not timid. Bold. Bold as He is. Because you are standing in His righteousness. And it says this. So that. Here's why. So that we might. Receive mercy. In other words, so that we would have mercy and not get what we deserve. Because, oh, we deserve it plenty. And be bold in coming and looking for that mercy. What else does it do? And find grace. Mercy and grace. See, how I said they're always shaking hands. Grace to do what? To help you. When? At the time you need it. Do you find yourself in a situation or in a relationship or in a financial crisis or a, a health crisis or whatever it is where I need more of God's grace? Go to Him. Ask Him. Go boldly. Ask Him for mercy if you need it. Right? And ask Him for help. And they that ask will receive is what Jesus said. It doesn't say... Therefore let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we might receive mercy and find grace if it's in His good favor to give it to us. doesn't say that. There's no maybes here. There's discovery. And there's walking in it. You come in, it's available. It's there. If you go to McDonald's, you expect to be able to buy a Big Mac. Right? I don't know why someone would do that. But... People do. They're still there. If you go to McDonald's, you expect them to have what they're known for. When you go to the throne of grace, what should you expect to find there? Grace. Help. Mercy. Everything I need to walk back out of here and walk as an overcomer and more than a conqueror. In that situation that I, I was in. You don't go to the throne of grace and he goes, "All right, son. I know that was a rough walk. From now on, all your problems are over. No more problems for you. That's not what that is. Again, you want to walk in more of it. Do what He tells you to do. Get your marching orders from Him. Go to Him. Ask Him for help. And Lord, what's my part? What should I do? And you going back out and humbling yourself and doing what He said to do, do it His way, is you just positioning yourself for it to rain grace on you to the ability to where you walk away going, that's great grace. Wow. And see, if we as a church, as a body of Christ, just rise up in this, and we seize it, and we take a hold of it, and we believe God, and we enact, we humble ourselves, Right? and we ask the Lord for more grace, then we can expect that there's going to be enough grace in this house to do everything that He's requiring of us in these coming years. Buildings, properties, all of it. Everything that, the vision that He's put, the church planting, the things that He has here. If we'll ask Him for help, and we're willing to just step out and do whatever He's telling us to do, then we can expect mighty things to happen in the streets and in the field. Right? In your house, in my house. Alright, you can stand with me. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And we're going to ask for more of God's help. We're going to acknowledge our need of Him. And you can just repeat after me. Lord, I humble myself to You. I acknowledge that I need You greatly. And that without You, I'm hopeless. I'm asking You, Father, for Your help. For more grace. For greater grace. I desire it. I hunger for it. I submit to You, Father. In everything. I don't leave anything out. So cause Your grace to come on me and operate through me so that people will be drawn to you. Open my ear to hear you and give me a tongue to sustain the weary. Give me eyes to see as you see with the wisdom and understanding to know what to do and when to do it. I ask you this, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and it is so, I receive it. Thank You, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. Father, receive our praise as incense to You, Lord. Father, we bless You. I thank You, Lord, for the open, the open heaven above this house. I thank You, Lord, that Your grace is more than enough for us. We bless You for it. Father, I thank You for the miracles, the healings, the deliverance that have taken place in this house, in these people. Father, I bless You. Thank You for the supernatural help that You have come and given to us again and again. Thank You that You extended Your right hand to us that You gave us deliverance. Thank You for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. Thank You for the righteousness of Yourself, Father, that You put on us like a garment and we rejoice in it. We're grateful for it. We walk in it, Lord. And we say, be it unto us, Lord, as pleases You. Be it unto us as You have imagined. Let it be in this time and place and season as You will it to be, Lord. Your will be done, not ours. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here in this house for this week here in Lancaster County, in Pennsylvania, in these United States of North America and of South America, of every continent of this entire planet. Lord, we lift up. We lift up this location to you and I ask you Lord to increase your grace upon us every person listening by the internet father I ask you to to open every person make them more receptive to your grace to give them the ability to receive more of your grace I thank you for this right now people that are listening there's a grace to speak available to you A grace to articulate clearly and easily is available to you. A grace to declare forth the praises, the exaltations of the King of kings and Lord of lords is available to you. Tongue be loosed in the name of Jesus. Mouth be opened in the name of Jesus. Father, I ask You for the grace of boldness to be upon every individual listening right now. I ask You to move by Your Spirit and by Your grace and that a boldness to declare, to say, to do, to walk out the things that You show them. Father, I ask for an increase in the grace of seeing in the spirit realm, hearing in the spirit realm, Father, open up our ears to hear it, to hear the angels around us. Open up our ears to hear Your Word becoming alive within us, Lord. Seeing it with our eyes and acting upon it with our faith. Lord, I ask You to help us to step out in faith, to act upon that faith, that Word that You've placed within us, the gift upon gift that You've released to us, Lord. We receive it. We're grateful for it. And Father, we want to do these things. Lord, I thank You for the grace of music. I thank You for the abilities to play instruments. I thank You for the graces to hear notes and hear them correctly. For the graces to sing out vocally in a beautiful, harmonious way to You, Lord. I thank You for these graces in this house. And Father, I lift up every person that You've anointed as a musician in this house. And I just say, increase the grace upon them, Father. That Your praise would be more and more glorious in this house. And I thank You for doing this, Lord. Father, I thank You for the grace to usher. The grace to help. The gift of helps that's been in this house. In our children's ministry, Lord. The grace to minister to children. The grace to usher and to organize. The grace of administration. I thank You for the grace of safety. The grace of security. The grace of, of shepherding that You put in this house on different individuals. And Father, I call for an increase of more of this grace upon them. Father, I cause for an increase of grace to minister to children. A grace to minister as an usher. A grace to minister as a security team member. Father, I ask You for more grace upon our our people that serve in the food departments. Lord, they bless all of us so much. Increase this grace and ability on them. cause it to be even easier than it's been before for them. And I thank You for it. Father, I thank You for the grace that You've given to our sound people, our recording people, our internet people. Father, thank You for the grace of electronics and understanding those things. Lord, thank You that You gift people to do things and to move and to operate in a way that is pleasing to You and excellent in Your eyes. Lord, we do all of these things because of You. Because we love You. Because of your agape towards us and and our agape towards you, Father. Thank you. Thank you so much for helping us. Now, you didn't just turn us loose and let us stand on our own, but Lord, you said, I am with them. Thank you, God, that you are the God who's with us. The God of more grace. And I thank you and I bless you for it. Thank you for it, Lord. (laughs) Thank you for new songs, not just for our musicians, Lord, but for every person here. Thank you that you that we are united in your spirit, in song, in harmony, in spiritual songs. Thank you, Lord. God, you are good. You are good in every way. You are good to everyone. You are good to everything. And we exalt your goodness because you are good, Lord. (laughs) You are good. Hallelujah to you, Lord. I call for an increase of the grace of business and finances upon the people in this house. Lord, those that You have called to bring in increase in the business realm, Lord, I call for this grace to to increase. Yeah, make it be Greece, Lord. That things would go well and easy for them. That they would have insight into business realm and decisions. Witty inventions and, and thoughts that they wouldn't have had without You, Lord, Cause these things to come to pass. Lord, you, you put certain people in this house with the grace of giving. With extraordinary measures of giving. And Father, I call for this grace to be awakened and that You help them and guide them the right place to give it. The when, the where, the how. I thank You and I bless You for this, Father. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Lord, I call an increase an increase of grace to the giftings of the ministries the ministries the the prophet the apostle the evangelist the pastor the teacher lord that those that you have graced in this house this way father i call that grace to increase in the name of jesus father i'm asking for you to increase it upon this house You've called us to to start other works and to plant other churches and to take the Gospel to the uttermost parts of Father. Your grace is what we need to help us do that. The where, the when, the how, the who. I thank You for it. I call into alignment the people, the things needed, the places, in the name of Jesus. We are full of grace in these things. We are more than grace to do these things. Someone say, I am filled with the Spirit of God, with His grace, to accomplish all He calls me to do. He has opened my ear, and I hear clearly the voice of the Lord within me. He speaks to me, and I listen. He has opened my eyes eyes, to see see, and to know know, with all wisdom and all all spiritual understanding all all that is required to walk this out in life to reign reign, reign, as a king as a priest to God most high high.
1: right here here, tonight
0: tonight, right now now. in Jesus name Jesus name Thank you. Well grace be on each one of you. And in you. And as you go, remember that one of the ways, right, that grace is released is through our words. So be like that one guy that was called the son of encouragement. Encourage each other while there's still time tonight. You know, encourage each other that you're going to win. That there's a way through. That you're not alone. Use your mouth to minister grace to each other because that's one way that we love God, isn't it? By giving grace to one another. All right. Bless each other as you go.
1: Praise the Lord. Love that music. It's so beautiful. Amen. Tonight, the Lord would love to encourage you in our time of worship by saying something. Always focus on the basics. Because the basics are really the heart of the matter. What are some basics? Fasting, praying, giving, reading the word of God, praying in the Holy Spirit. It's not always interesting, is it? And not exciting. I mean, if you're fasting and praying, it's I don't call it really exciting. But they're the basics. And what are the basics? It's the foundation. It's a cement, the mortar that just keeps it all together. It sustains you through the good and the bad, the ups and the downs. The basics. So in the book of Philippians, it says, for our citizenship is in heaven. That's a great big hallelujah right there. See, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Not as born again children of God, from which also we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is eagerly waiting for Jesus' second return. Who? Who? Who's out there eagerly waiting? (laughs) Who will, and this is what Jesus is going to do. He's going to transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. That's a great big hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) That it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved, and longed for brethren, my joy and my crown. So stand fast in the Lord and rejoice in him. And again, I rejoice. These are the basics. Getting a heavenly perspective. My citizenship is in heaven. This is a very temporal time in the flesh. And one day we're going to have a glorified body like Jesus had. When he came back after his resurrection, he ate fish and bread and walked through walls. And that's what we're going to have one day. And it's a foundational, basic truth that we need to hold on to. Amen? So how about us all stand up as family tonight? We've got so much to praise the Lord for, so much to be thankful for. So let's do that as a family. Amen.
0: To Church of the Word, it is good to have each and every one of you here. We're going to um, celebrate for multiple reasons, two of those reasons tonight. One is Kathleen English. Why don't you come up? And where's Kendall? Kendall Zimmerman. Is he in? Okay, both of you. Why don't you come up? We're both celebrating also with them tonight for... A graduation that's taking place, or has taken place, has taken place. She says, hallelujah. (laughs) And um, you guys have invested, you know, for you, it was a choice to go back and invest in some things that you felt like the Lord was stirring you to do. Things that the Lord had dreams, right, that he'd put into your heart long ago. But not every dream comes to pass overnight, does it? does it Kendall? You, you didn't enter first grade and the next day be graduating. Good things take time, did you know that? And especially if you're gonna face challenges in those, good th- in those good things you're learning, right? These two put forth the effort, the time to go through what many of you have done too in your life and you know the effort, right, that it takes to accomplish something like that and so it takes tenacity, And so we're excited for what this next chapter in life is for you, Kendall, because there's a whole life ahead of you of good things in Jesus' name. Now there's a lot of good ahead of you for you too, but not a whole life, right? The rest of your life. (laughs) I know, 120 years is still a long time. Bring the gift over here. Let's give her one. We're going to make Kendall wait for his for a bit. And we're going to pray over you. Stretch out your hands to her. Father, I thank you for Kathleen and for the heart that you've given to her and the things that you've put inside of her and stirred her to do and to step into. And we just call, Lord, for a fulfillment of the times and seasons for these dreams that you've placed in her. And that she'll be able to walk into them in the full extent in this next chapter of how you'd envisioned it to be. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. All right, you have one for uh, Kendall as well. Congratulations, Kendall. And um, that's no easy feat. It takes time. Just like the next season of your life takes time to fulfill too. Father, I thank you for Kendall. I thank you, Lord, that you continue to put into him the things you want in him. Lord, bring him up into a place of strength that from this day forward, as he goes into life, that you would open his ear to hear clearly from you, that he would walk in step and in harmony with your will. Lord, cause him to see and know your will for his life in every way as he needs to know it. In Jesus' name, and amen. 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 Did, did either one of you have anything you wanted to say? Don't wait so long to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> she says, don't wait so long to go to college if you're going to go. All right, hallelujah. We're going to release the children and the ministry workers to their places. And um, as they go, why don't you find someone, say hello, greet them,
2: welcome them. Well, good evening, everyone. Good evening. It's good to be with you here tonight. Welcome to Church of the Word International. If this is your very first time here, can you just raise your hand? We'd like to welcome any guests that are with us, especially those that are here for the first time. Right over here. Welcome. We're so glad you decided to show up tonight. We uh, have a... One of our ushers will bring you a uh, welcome card, and if you want, you can fill that out. Just put it in the offering basket, and we'll be happy to agree with anything, any prayer that you need, um, any prayer requests, any information you want to give us. We thank you for that. We're also glad to see we have some Armada members coming in for their week of meetings, so Josh Yoder's here. Welcome. And of course, welcome to all our family. We're just always so glad to be together. All right. Well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe. So if you need a cash envelope, you can raise your hand. Our ushers will bring you one. And if you're giving by credit card, please fill out all of the blanks. And as we return the tithe tonight, as always, we're going to remember that the Lord is our source. And you say amen to that. He is our source. You know, all of our resources, all of our Skills, our, our talents, or anything good in our life, any, whether it be money or um, possessions, it came from him. he's the giver of that. And you know, when we act on this tithe principle, uh, it demonstrates that we believe he's our source. Really we're saying we're just we're reminding ourselves of this truth that God is the source and the strength of my life. Every time I tithe, I think about that. I'm I'm remembering once again, he's the strength of my life. He's the source where it all comes from. Every need that I have, anything that I could encounter, it's going to come from him. He's going to get it over to me. But we should know this too, that when we tithe, that he's promised to provide and pour out upon us supernatural provision, supernatural blessings and, and protection. That's... Part of the tithe covenant that he established. I'm not going to take time to read it, but um, if it's new to you, you can turn to Malachi 3, 10 and 11 on your own time and, and you can read to actually the whole chapter there in Malachi 3. Uh, brings that out, but those of us that are family here, we know that. We know that in Malachi 3, 10 and 11, he promised to open up the windows of heaven and to pour out this blessing upon us that would swallow up the need. See, he wants to do that for us. He wants to provide for us so much. He really does. Now, I'm getting over to what I wanted to emphasize tonight. Because when I was praying about, like, Lord, what do you want me to um, emphasize tonight? This is the scripture that he said, um, that he brought up in my heart. And it's Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. And I want to read verses 17 through 20. And I just wanted to bring this out about him desiring to open up streams of provision, avenues of provision, when it looks impossible. And it says here in verse 17, it says, The poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. So this is a situation where they need, there is a need, and it's a desperate one, like And there's probably some pressure there. Parched, you know. ever been really thirsty and you're just like, you're very aware of the need. Have you ever encountered a need like that? Like one that, like there's a deadline. Like, you know, we can't go on without this being answered. But I, the Lord, will answer them. Well, isn't that good news? He said he would answer. Those that have this, encountering this desperate need, this you know, I mean, the pressure's on and they're feeling it, It says the Lord will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. Oh, glory to God. If you've ever been in a situation where you are up against the wall and it feels like there is no way, no how, it ain't going to happen, God said he won't abandon you, that he's going to answer. Now, Listen, what I want you to get is how much he is able and desirous to do this for you. Says, I will make rivers flow on barren heights. Rivers flow on barren heights. What's barren heights? I don't know, but it seems bare and it seems high. And I know rivers don't flow there in the natural. And springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water. Well, you know, there's not pools of water in a desert. I mean, any desert I've ever seen, do pools of water just hang around in a desert? But he said he would do that. He can do that. Now, you know, this is, he's saying, I mean, yes, he could put pools of water in the desert, but I want you to make this, this fits your need. I know you don't need pools of water in the desert right now, but you might need something else. Maybe you need a car. Maybe you need a house. Maybe you need that bill paid, you know? says, I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. I will put in the desert the cedar and the acacia and the myrtle and the olive. I will set junipers in the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together. Now, you know those kind of trees don't grow in a desert in the natural. But he said he would do that. God's telling us he can make a way when there is no way. He can do what man would look on and say, that's impossible. That just won't work. But God, He can do it for you. And He wants to. Now, here's the purpose in verse 20: says, so that people may see and know, so that people may see and know, and may consider and understand something. What does He want them to see? What does He want them to comprehend and grasp? That the hand of the Lord has done this, and the Holy One of Israel has created it. He wants people to look at you and your miracle and say, wow, God did that. It points back to him. He wants them, he wants them to, to see that and say, what a mighty God they serve. That's what he wants. See, he wants to move for you. You know, if, if you if you have a need here like that, and you're like, wow, boy, I've, I'm sure feeling pretty parched and thirsty. I'm, I've got that need going on. I want to encourage you to release your faith that God is able, and he wants to. And, you know, he's promised, you know, to the tither that he would pour out blessing and provision until it swallows up that lack, that need, whatever it is. And now our part is to just believe that and say, it's mine, and it's done. Father, I'm so grateful to you, so thankful that we're not on our own down here as orphans, but that you love us and you care about us, and that when things seem impossible, it's not impossible for you, and that you can overcome and bring the answers to things that people would say, you know what, nope, nope, that'll never work, but you, you, with you and your power, There is a way. So we just thank you, Lord. We thank you that every need in this house is met and on time. And I just give you praise for it. We give you thanksgiving in advance for it. And, Lord, I just declare peace on every individual, peace upon every household here as they walk this out. And we just give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. And amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord and you know, I did not decide you know, I, know I thought of a few situations that I'm aware of in this house after the Lord brought this to me. You know, I never go about choosing you know what I think you know this what, this all oh, this would be. I don't lean on my own understanding. I ask the Lord, what do you want me to bring? out and this is what he brought out and then I thought of a situation so don't think oh well you know Jen loves me and the Lord loves you the Lord loves you and he knows your need all right well this is this is the week for our Mata Landmark so I hope you all are registered and ready to come out and be a week of growing stronger in the Lord you know um, resources to live your life to do more for him, to hit the mark. That's what this week is going to be for us if we'll show up. Now, you may show, there's three sessions a day, so it's starting Monday, 1 o'clock sessions, 2 o'clock and 3.15 in the afternoon. Uh, Dinner is at 5 for those that registered. If you did not register for supper, you're welcome to come to any of the services, the 7 o'clock one in the evening then as well. But uh, if you did not register for dinner, um, please don't show up for dinner. (laughs) <laughs> but you are welcome for all the services children's department um, if you have if if you have a child in the children's department, make sure you know their number. so you see these little boxes up here, sometimes a number pops up that is supposed to be for for one of your kids, so make sure you know uh, your kids' numbers so you can jump up and go down and see what is needed down there also we're looking for New volunteers in the children's ministry. So we've got a lot of shifting things happening and gaps going on. So pray about um, meeting that need. You know, it really is serving Jesus because as we serve each other, we're serving him. And it just pleases the Father so. And it takes a a family like that for for the church to flow and work together and for everybody to fulfill their function. It's important for us to each take our place. So talk to Kelly if you're interested in serving in the children's ministry.